0: Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. Warm, warm out there. At least not, not quite that 67, 68 degrees we were hoping for, and certainly not as much sunshine as we might have liked to have seen, but um, anyway, it's not so bad out there got a lot coming up on today's program. One, we've got some news coming out of Connecticut today that I wanted to share with you. If you've been listening to my program, you know uh, that the issue of gun violence is something that I've talked quite a bit about over the course of my career and something that I pay very close attention to. I think it's the biggest problem facing our country right now. Obviously, we've got all sorts of problems, but this is the biggest one, I think, that's facing our country. And there are things that I thought for years that we could probably do about it, but there's an interesting case coming out of Connecticut today that I'll let you know about. So we'll talk a bit about that. Also coming up on the program today, Beto O'Rourke. Of course, the Democrat from Texas who lost narrowly to Ted Cruz in this year's Senate race has officially announced as a candidate for the Democratic nomination that brings the total number of people who have either basically officially entered the race or have an exploratory committee to 16, with another 10 sitting on the sidelines right now deciding whether or not to dip their toe in. We'll get some of your thoughts on those candidates on today's program as well. Stay with me for The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Really do appreciate it, uh, and uh, giving me an opportunity to talk to you about things that matter. It's always a big deal. I don't take that for granted. Believe me. All right, you know, if you've been listening to my program for a number of years, or listen to me on, on the radio, you know that gun violence. I, I think is perhaps the biggest problem that we're dealing with. We have this uh, unnatural fascination with weaponry. This un—I think—I think irrational fear uh, and, and of of other people that. Uh, gives many of us this this feeling that we need to arm ourselves at all times. I don't agree. I just don't feel the same way. That does not mean I don't want you to be able to do that, to arm yourself if you feel that's necessary. I've never been one that has called for banning of weapons, and I also recognize that the Supreme Court is not about to do that anytime soon. However, however, what do we need to do to make sure that we don't have Incidents like we saw in Las Vegas, or the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, or Sandy Hook. What do we need to do to make sure that we are not potentially victims of that type of violence? So far, the only real solutions that people have been willing to come up with are either arming teachers, or putting armed guards in schools, metal detectors, things along those lines. There has been very, very little appetite to do anything when it actually comes to the tools that were used to commit the mayhem, and that would be the weapons. In fact, gun companies have had significant immunity when it comes to the possibility of being sued for the illegal use of their product, which makes some sense when you consider that a gun, of course, um, is not supposed to be used in a crime, but it often is used in a crime. And would it be fair to hold the manufacturers of a legal product responsible for the way that people use that product? It's like suing Ford Motor Company, for instance, if somebody deliberately drives uh, their you know, Ford Taurus into a crowd of people. Now, I understand that immunity. However, there are limits to this. At what point do we hold the manufacturers responsible for the way that these products are used? And at what point do we actually hold the manufacturers responsible for the way that they market these products? and the types of products that they are marketing to people. Things that, frankly, many people would argue are military-style weapons. That's a question that the Connecticut Supreme Court has been looking at. They heard oral arguments 16 months ago in a case brought by parents of Sandy Hook victims that were looking to see if there was some way that they could hold Remington accountable for what was done. Because it was a Remington AR-15-style rifle that was used by Adam Lanza when he murdered those kids in that school. I remember that day like it was yesterday, I remember how I felt. I remember how that changed my entire thinking on this whole issue and made me realize that there was no way that we could sit here and just do nothing about this going forward, have the same old debates about mental health, about you know whether or not a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. There were no real concrete discussions about what is at the root of our fascination with these weapons and the weaponry that is available for civilian purchase. Now granted, I'm not one of these people that thinks that the government is coming to knock down my door anytime soon. I don't feel the need to stockpile ammunition. I don't buy into that. You may, and that's totally your right to do so. However, at what point do we look at the companies and suggest that maybe they're pushing this notion? I Read the editorials in any gun magazine any It's all talking about how the government is getting ready to take your weapons and how basically all these politicians want to take your guns and and repeal the Second Amendment. And I don't see any movement towards that. I don't see any real movement. Yes, there are always people advocating for that or advocating for re-examination of the Second Amendment. And whether or not a well-regulated militia is what we have right now. Because I think a lot of people would argue that it isn't. We don't have a well-regulated militia. We have a military And there are a number of loosely affiliated militia groups in various states, including Michigan. But they're not official. They're certainly not well-regulated. But regardless of whether or not you think the Second Amendment is going to be repealed anytime soon, what about the narrative that is leading us to think that we need these types of things? Or that these things are desirable to own? Now granted, if you are a hunter... Or somebody who likes to target shoot. And I've seen these target shooting, you know, programs and these competitions on television. Um, you know, and, and people have fun shooting their guns. And they hunt and they do these things. I understand that. But in Connecticut, they're actually taking a serious look as to whether or not Remington was pushing this notion of military weapons for civilian use and whether or not the advertising contributed to the way Adam Lanza may have used that weapon. Now, Interestingly enough, the Supreme Court ruled in a very narrow, narrow ruling that Remington, which makes the Bushmaster AR-15 rifle, they can be sued and potentially held liable in connection with the 2012 mass murder at Sandy Hook. Again, it was a 4-3 decision, and it overturned a lower court ruling that had barred the lawsuit from going forward. Now, that was based on, of course, the lower court's ruling that a federal law that limits liability of firearms manufacturers, held sway in this case. And they've had a lot of, you know, uh, immunity from lawsuits for a long time. But not as long as people think. This law was passed back in 2005. There was a federal law that was enacted back in 2005 that limited the liability of firearms manufacturers and dealers. Basically, it immunized them from any sort of legal responsibility for the acts of people using the weapons. And, of course, the lower court in Connecticut ruled that that law held supreme. However, the Connecticut High Court made a different ruling today. They're taking a look at this as if the case involves illegal advertising. And that's why I got to the marketing question just a couple of minutes ago in this conversation. Now, what they're suggesting is that this lawsuit gets to go forward under something called the Unfair Trade Practices Act. They're saying that this is actually harmful advertising. In this case, they said that the marketing, they were not marketing the weapon itself, but instead the use of that weapon as a potential tool for, quote, offensive military-style combat by civilians. Now that is illegal. Offensive military-style combat by civilians is not legal, obviously. They're suggesting that the advertising was pushing that. Now, so here's what the plaintiffs said in their arguments. They said, plaintiffs seek nothing more and nothing less than accountability for Bushmaster's choice to continue profiting from selling and marketing the weapon for civilian use. They're trying to argue that they were marketing a military-style weapon for civilians, which the Supreme Court has held that there can be certain restrictions on military weapons in the hands of civilians. And they also go along to cite Connecticut law, which says that they cannot permit advertising that promotes or encourages violent criminal behavior. Now, this is a stretch. I definitely want to suggest that this is a stretch, and this is something that's going to be Something that's going to be debated in the federal courts for sure. However, however, it is a chink in the armor of the NRA and of the gun rights lobby. That 2005 law was fairly ironclad, they thought. But if they can get to the marketing of this and perhaps restrict some of the advertising around these weapons, they may be able to somehow restrict some of the interest around these, and maybe lessen the amount of them that get sold. We don't know. Now the court said that yes, they agree that they're not going to be held liable for crimes that are committed by people using their weapons, but instead they're going after them for the marketing of these weapons in the first place. That's sort of like going after Al Capone for income tax evasion rather than what he was doing, which is violating the Volstead Act. Going after him for the taxes and not the booze. It's a very similar sort of approach, and it's very, very narrow. And it may not be something that actually has a huge, huge impact, but it sends a message. Again, I've been back to this, well, a bunch of times on this issue. If indeed the federal courts agree that the marketing around these weapons is something that has contributed to their use in a harmful manner, then maybe, just maybe, we can curtail some of the impact of that. But it sends a message as to what we value, once again. And it gets us asking that question, once again, as to why we feel the need to be armed so heavily, why we feel the need to have this type of protection, and what it is about weapons that we like so much, or that we fantasize about so much, That's the thing. Why do we feel the need to have this? I talk to a lot of people who say, look, I like having it for protection. And I don't doubt that. But at some point, it goes beyond that. And if it's just because you like them, just be honest. I like my guns. That's fine. You are allowed to have them. But I do think... I do think that we have a serious problem when it comes to this feeling, this need to be armed. We have so little faith in each other that we are going to assume the worst in each other rather than think about what might be the best in each other. I'm not sure what we're going to do about this. And I'm not sure that this case is going to do anything. But if, in some small way, It sends a message about what we value as a society and the fact that if we indeed are a society that values life, as we always like to suggest we are, that maybe, just maybe, we're willing to put a little bit of pressure on the gun industry to back the hell off when it comes to these types of weapons and whether or not they're good to have in the hands of ordinary citizens. Is it a good idea? You may think it is. That's your choice. But we need to think about it. We need to think hard about it because we can't have any more Sandy Hooks. I'll be watching this very carefully. I'll update you on any changes that may come, any challenges that may come to this, because this is something I care about. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. Send me a note. Let me know. The Craig Show at gmail.com Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm thinking about this the wrong way. I'd love to encourage debate around this issue because I don't think any of us disagree that gun violence is a problem in our society that we are too quick to turn to the gun to solve our problems. I don't think anybody, gun rights advocate, gun control advocate, disagrees on that. We have common ground. If we can come together on just a couple of those points, on the common ground stuff, then maybe the rest of the stuff might not seem so daunting. I hold out hope that we can get there at some point in time. I refuse to give up on this nation in that regard. Hopefully, hopefully our better angels will come to the fore. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. And this is the Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me on this Thursday. And uh, as you woke up this morning, you may have seen the announcement from a former Texas Senate candidate, Beto O'Rourke, that he is now in the running for president of the United States. And a lot of people were expecting him to run, wondering whether he was going to run. He, of course, got sort of the rock star treatment as he took on Ted Cruz and almost won in a state that many figured was not going to be hotly contested last time around. Donald Trump, of course, had to come in for a last-minute rally in Texas to help Ted Cruz rally to victory over Beto O'Rourke. But Beto O'Rourke, throughout that, got a lot of attention, got a whole lot of people interested in his candidacy, interested in his personal story. There's, of course, a glowing Vanity Fair article that came out not too long ago about him with Annie Leibovitz photos. And, of course, he's getting sort of the rock star treatment this time around, and a lot of people are suggesting that he might be this, this time's Barack Obama. But what it said to me, and what I was looking at, is that Beto is just one of 16 candidates who have already either announced or have exploratory committees on the Democratic side. 16. There's another 10 people who are hanging out there deciding whether or not they want to dip their toes in. And of course this is going to thin itself out. But for Democrats, this is the complete opposite of what choice we were given last time around for people who fall on the liberal side of things. We had Hillary Clinton, who was pre-anointed as the, as the candidate to be. And she had a lot of support. A lot of people suggested it was her turn to do it. But of course, Bernie Sanders came in and, and threw a bit of a, a monkey wrench into that whole thing, made a pretty viable run for an independent, and put a bunch of more liberal ideas on the table than Hillary was willing to do, deal with at the time. And a lot of people suggested that Hillary lost some of those people on the left because she was not. Well, she was not on the progressive side of the Democratic Party. Well, if you're one of those people, you've got your wish. Look at all the candidates who are in this race so far. Here's the people who are in. Let's just go with the people who are in, then we'll talk about the ones who aren't yet who might get in. You've got Bernie Sanders, of course. Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. Cory Booker of New Jersey. Kamala Harris of California, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii, Julian Castro, John Delaney of Maryland, Andrew Yang, of course, of New York, Jay Inslee, governor of Washington, John Hickenlooper, the former Colorado governor, Beto O'Rourke, former Texas representative. You've also got Mayor Pete, who, of course, is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana who's making some noise as a young person in this race, younger than most of the candidates. Kirsten Gillibrand, senator out of New York, is also thinking about it. Don't forget, you've got Joe Biden sitting out there talking about running again. Look at the different choices that you're going to have this time around. And like I said, this field will winnow itself down. It typically does. It's based on fundraising. It's based on staffing. But when you've got 16 candidates who are already in this race, and another five or six who I think are seriously going to possibly jump in, you start running out of people that run those campaigns. The good staffers are going to be taken up by certain people. The money is going to start congregating around certain candidates. The question is, which views are going to get a real airing throughout this candidacy? And so I put a thread on Facebook that I wanted to put to you. If you're a Democrat, how are you feeling about this wide range of choices at this point in time? Because last time everybody said the system was rigged, that the Democratic National Committee had preordained that Hillary Clinton was going to be the candidate, there was a lot of bitterness about that. Well, this time it is wide open much more so than even the Republican side last time around that Donald Trump emerged from. What's it going to take to beat Donald Trump? Are you feeling good about the candidates? Are you feeling good about the the number of candidates who are espousing more progressive positions, people who are to the left of the uh, formerly moderate wing of the Democratic Party? Does a moderate in the Democratic primary have a chance this time around, or have we moved as a party to a much more progressive stance, where something like Medicare for All is basically just something that has to be on the agenda if this candidate's going to get any sort of serious attention. Will those moderates win out? Will those people who say, we've got to run to the middle to get middle America and to win back states like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Florida, is that conventional wisdom going to win out this time around. Because you have just about every spectrum of the political party and the political left represented in this candidacy right now. Pete Buttigieg, for instance. Young guy. 37 years old. Barely able to run for president at this point in time around. I've been very impressed with the guy. I don't know if he's got what it takes to win. I have no idea. But is he going to shake things up? And is he setting himself up for something else down the road? Who knows? But he's getting a lot of attention. He's been on a number of shows. He made the rounds early. And now people are actually starting to know who Mayor Pete is. Now he's saying his last name. That's why he calls himself Mayor Pete. Buddha Judge is hard to say. Beto O'Rourke. Beto's been out there for how long now? Months. And again, getting the rock star treatment. Elizabeth Warren. Somebody who I had high hopes for when she was basically, in charge of consumer protection after the bailouts. I thought that was something that she did well. Bernie Sanders, of course, still has a significant following and has a significant lead when it comes to fundraising and an ability to raise money from his loyal people. But the question is, if he does not get the nomination, will he actually direct his people to put their support behind somebody else? More forcefully, perhaps, than he did last time around. How many of those people... Who are following one of these candidates If they don't get what they want And their person doesn't win Will support Donald Trump Like a lot of people who voted for Bernie Sanders And supported Bernie Sanders did last time around And is Donald Trump enough to run against? Or do the Democrats need to actually have some real ideas? Because Trump, as polarizing as he is Seems to have that base Seems to have that that 30-something percent That are going to stick with him no matter what What's it going to take to beat them this time around? So Democrats, I've got this thread out there. I'm going to read some of your answers tomorrow because I think there's going to be a big response. How are you feeling about this huge group of people in there right now? Do you feel like your positions are being represented by any of the candidates at this point in time? And who are you willing to get behind? And what's it going to take to get you involved and make sure that you're out there voting? What's it going to take to beat Donald Trump? Do we need somebody that plays the same way he does? Does somebody need to be uh, the kid throwing sand in the sandbox, just like Donald Trump? Or can the high road win here? When they go low, we go high. Is that something that's going to work anymore? Or have we entered a new realm in politics where you better play dirty or else you're not going to come out of this? Something to consider. So I've got that question out there right now. Look for my Facebook page. I've got the thread going. I would love to hear from you. And tomorrow, I'm going to read a bunch of your responses as they come in. It'll be a good way to wrap up the week. Anyway, that's basically what I had today. wanted to talk a little bit about these two things, just to give you an update on some things and uh, let you know how I'm feeling. Well, we'll see. Who else gets in the race? We've got a couple more announcements coming up in the next few weeks. And, of course, Joe Biden is still sitting out there. We'll see if Uncle Joe decides to get in the race. But, again, find my Facebook thread. Let me know what you're thinking. You can always send me an email if you want as well. It's Show at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking who you're behind at this point in time, and if you're a Republican and listening to this, I would love to know what you think. Do you like this wide open field for the Democrats? Does it make you think that things are in disarray, or you know, and is it is it going to be a bruising candidacy? Are we going to see the the various factions of the Democrats go to war with each other and splinter the party the way that the Republicans basically have done to themselves over the last couple of years? We shall see. I don't know, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this too. Or does it? freak you out a little bit that we may have somebody that's not preordained that you haven't been able to figure out yet that may may find their way into this thing all of your thoughts welcome on this one and i'll get to them tomorrow and hey everybody thanks very much for listening to the craig folly show on deadline detroit don't forget i've got a facebook page you can find it there look up the craig folly show i'm at my friend limit on my personal page which means that people can't necessarily connect. They can't always comment on things. I'm trying to post more material up there, and if you want, you can follow that, and that's a good way to see what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to use it a lot more. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Snapchat. You can find me on Twitter, of course. Just look up at Craig Folley on Twitter, and i um, got a lot of followers there, and that's always fun. So I love hearing from you guys. Keep me posted on what you've got going on. If there are events in town that you want me to highlight, if there are subjects you want me to talk about, let me know. All right, have a great day everybody. Tomorrow is Friday. Enjoy it and enjoy the warm weather while it lasts because it's not going to be around much longer. Have a great day. The Craig Foley show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology, faster than thought possible capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.